0: Things are not looking great in Afghanistan. The Biden administration taking a lot of heat for what's going on. Biden came out and did a press conference yesterday, had uh, mixed reviews, I guess, if you want to say that. The reviews from the media went from terrible, it's the worst thing I've ever seen, to not awesome. So really no Big amount of praise for Joe Biden as he addressed the nation yesterday, um, but more of that to come. We've got a lot of new information, not necessarily new information, but a lot of commentary on how this is being handled as the Taliban are doing some different things in Kabul, the major city in Afghanistan that they've taken over just recently. So all of that stuff on the way. Thanks so much for watching The Joe Bob Show. It starts right about now. Three, two, one. Here we go. from a dingy bunker completely cut off from the outside world, except for you fine folks. My name is Joe Bob, this is The Joe Bob Show. Thanks for tuning in. Today is August 17th, the year of our Lord, 2021. We appreciate you being here and checking it out. Uh, If you haven't, go check it out on the podcast stuff. Uh, Really every podcast platform that you can find, we are there talking and ranting about politics and culture. Uh, and trying to bring you information that you may not hear anywhere else. Um, generally, we try to be moderately amusing. Uh, the last couple of days has not been <laughs> haven't been afforded the opportunity to be amusing or witty or funny because of such a dire situation going on in Afghanistan, and of course how badly it's being handled. Um, but nevertheless, uh, more information is coming out from Afghanistan, but also people starting to weigh in on President Biden's address yesterday. So we're going to cover a lot of that. We've got a really interesting interview that was given on MSNBC, of all places, Uh, a guy named Matt Zellers, former military, um, really, really critical of Joe Biden's address yesterday. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. First, I got to tell you about capitalist propaganda. Capitalist propaganda is the best way to tell your friends that their socialist ideas totally suck. Get your capitalist propaganda gear at capitalistpropaganda.us. A lot of cool fun stuff. Make sure you promote capitalism because uh, apparently we have to nowadays. This is the one I was wearing yesterday. Go ahead and use your iPhone to tweet about how much you hate me. You're welcome. Love capitalism. Capitalism rocks. All of the great capitalist propaganda gear over at capitalistpropaganda.us. So make sure you go check it out. So without further ado, I, uh, Tucker Carlson, wait, he's a polarizing guy. Also, he's hilarious. Um, he, had a, he, had a, he was on fire on his opening monologue. It it seems like it's almost like a uh, late-night show uh, without the celebrity gossip and all that sort of stuff, uh, at least for the beginning part of his monologue. He has is, he is perfected snarkiness and witticisms uh, in that opening monologue. But yesterday he said, uh, remarking on the fact that, how did the intelligence community miss this? Uh Well, it's probably because they're reading your texts about anti-trans rhetoric, which is just funny, but also speaks to a broader point. Uh, Last month, we all saw the clip of General Mark Milley, the um, chairman of the Joint Chiefs' staff, talking about critical race theory and how important it is to understand white rage and all of that nonsense. Instead of, if, if, if he took... The even couple minutes, even one minute that he spent reading about critical race theory and how it inf- inflicts itself into the military. he took one minute and instead focused that one minute on Afghanistan. I think it would be worth it, given how bad the situation has unfolded. Tucker was also talking about how the United States apparently has been pushing our wokeness on Afghanistan for the last 20 years, uh, the, the university in Kabul receiving funding from the United States was promoting gender studies, um, and had military quotas that they had to meet with women. Look, this is, this is not an anti equality thing. It's, it's simply a, there are enough problems going on in the United States, uh, that we have to deal with. Um, we are barely getting that stuff, making any of that stuff work. And I don't, I don't, think we're making it work at all. But if you're going to make the argument that it's barely working here, it certainly wasn't going to work over there. But apparently that's the stuff we were pushing abroad in Afghanistan. We were exporting wokeness to the sand countries. Um, how is Afghanistan going to make that work? It's, it's just not. Um, other thought, other opening thought of the day, if you're taking in the news media, whether it's ABC, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, any of the big news media, here's the thing that I want them to stop doing. I want them to stop using the terminology that these terrorist organizations or dictating organizations use. We don't have to use their terminology. We can call things what they are. For example, you see on all these talk shows, Taliban going door to door and requesting to, not requesting, grabbing young girls to be married off to them. We don't have to say married off. We can call it what it is. It's, it's forcible rape is what it is. Uh, and that's what the Taliban is doing. We don't have to use their terminology in the same way that we we call Xi Jinping the president of China or Vladimir Putin the president of Russia. We have a president because they have an electoral system. And the electoral system elects a sitting president. We don't have to use that terminology for them because that's not the case in Russia or the case in China, but we use the same ter- terminology. So I would implore the news media to stop using the terminology of these radical terrorist groups because it plays into them being accepted into modern culture. They're not marrying off young girls. That's not what's happening. It's harassment, it's rape, it's, it's the worst things you can think of. And we have our news media calling it what they're calling it in an attempt to spin us. I say we stop playing into that. That's my opening thought for the morning. A um, couple other fun things that not necessarily fun, maybe fun's not the right term. Uh, but Jonah Goldberg had a really had a had a really amusing tweet uh, that I saw. Uh, this morning, let me pull it up here really quick, make sure I can get it on the screen so that you can see, um, remarking on the Joe Biden, uh, press conference yesterday, uh, Jonah Goldberg tweeted, Biden, the buck stops with me. I take full responsibility, but my hands were tied by Trump. And this is the Afghan military's fault. We were prepared. We were prepared for this, but we were caught off guard. We're giving the country to the Taliban, but we hold them accountable which is hilarious uh, to think about it when you think about it like that. Going back to the Joe Biden press conference, this is pretty indicative of what he said. Buck stops with me to take full responsibility, but my hands were tied by Trump and this is the Afghan military's fault. We were prepared for this, but we got caught off guard. We're giving the country to the Taliban, but we hold them accountable. What does that even mean? Really, this is Joe Biden and how he sounded yesterday. So we have a couple clips. If you were tuning in last night, this is not anything new. We we brought this on last night. Um, but just want to play, play a couple clips from the speech that Joe Biden gave yesterday, as well as some of the reaction from the media, including a really, really interesting take from MSNBC, of all places. Listen to this Joe Biden clip.
1: I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May one. 1- 2021, just a little over three months after I took office.
0: So right off the bat, he's already starting to push blame onto the Trump administration. Hey, Newsflash, Joe, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but you are actually the current sitting president. And here's the point that I made yesterday and I'm going to make again. Joe Biden is saying that the Trump plan was already in place and therefore there was nothing he can do about it, except for the fact that he changed a lot of the Trump policies the day he entered office. If you don't know this, gas prices are through the roof. Part of it is because the Keystone Pipeline permit was immediately revoked by the federal government for no other reason other than orange man bad. Also, the border crisis, the border situation is out of control. It was under control. It wasn't the best under Trump, but it was at least under control. Joe Biden came in and completely did a 180 there. So who's to say that he couldn't do the same 180 on the Trump era Afghan evacuation plan or leaving the country of Afghanistan? There's no evidence to suggest that he had to stay with the Trump plan. Renegotiate. You're the top dog now, dude. You got this. But instead, he continues to blame the Trump administration for something that's clearly not their fault anymore because Joe Biden is in office and has been for the last 8 months let's listen on
1: US forces had already drawn down during the Trump administration from roughly 15,500 American forces to 2,500 troops in country
0: so again putting putting Trump on the spot to say that this is a Trump era problem which is just not the case you don't get to do that if You made a huge deal about changing all of these other Trump policies the day you got into office. It just doesn't work like that. Now, if the presidency wasn't as powerful as it is and Congress did their job and voted on things and the president couldn't just make sweeping changes the second he got into office, maybe that argument would hold some water. But it just doesn't. Given the track record that the Biden administration has had in reversing Trump's policies completely 180 degrees, This doesn't hold water, it just doesn't. Um, Let's listen on to uh, another clip that he had from yesterday's speech.
1: So I'm left again to ask of those who argue that we should stay, how many more generations of America's daughters and sons would you have me send to fight
0: Afghanistan's civil war? This is the thing that irritates me the most. Because he's making an argument that nobody is arguing against. 70% of Americans, Republicans and Democrats, thought that we should leave Afghanistan. This is, this is Obama ran on leaving Afghanistan. Donald Trump ran on leaving Afghanistan. Joe Biden ran on leaving Afghanistan. And now he's sitting here defending his decision to leave Afghanistan. That's not what we're mad about, dude. We're mad about how we're leaving Afghanistan. Wait, who cares? That we wanted to, everybody wanted to leave. Nobody is in disagreement. We we all wanted to leave. We thought that we spent 20 we spent 20 years there, 2 trillion dollars, 2500 servicemen lost, almost 4000 US contractors lives lost. It, it was a big problem and everybody agreed that we should leave. So the fact that he's defending leaving is ridiculous. That's not what anybody's mad about. What people are mad about is the lack of cohesion in the plan to leave when you wanted to leave that's what people are upset about but he goes on
1: when afghan troops will not how many more lives american lives is it worth how many endless rows of headstones at arlington national cemetery
0: the thing is joe we agree with you we agree we don't think it's worth it either but not having a plan is what everybody is furious about. Clearly, there, there I have to believe there wasn't a plan because if I believe that there was a plan and this was the plan, that's almost worse. I'm hoping, like I, I really, I, I'm hoping that there wasn't a cohesive plan because that's almost better than this being the plan. But again, this is Joe Biden not taking responsibility for the reasons that we're all upset. And this is, and when I say we're all upset, I'm talking about pretty much everybody. There's a really interesting clip from MSNBC, a guy named Matt Zellers that I want to play for you. Uh, he's talking to Brian Williams, and you're gonna get a kick out of this. This is again, this is from MSNBC. This is not OAN, Fox News. Great organizations, but they have a political bent. This is MSNBC. Listen to this clip from a guy named Matt Zellers. We're going to go through uh, a decent chunk of it because he makes some really good points. And uh, I'm not sure if it's in this clip, but this is a guy who voted for Joe Biden. And this is how he's talking. Remember, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, leave them in the comments section. We do have them all up on the screen. We're able to get back and and use some stuff if it's interesting. So if there's a point that I'm missing – let me know, and we'll 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 get to it. Uh, but for now, let's listen to Matt Zellers talk about the Biden speech yesterday with Brian Williams on MSNBC.
1: This decision, he owned the fact that, as he put it, the buck stops with him.
2: I hope he gets to own their deaths too. I, I don't. I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound, bold-faced lie in that speech. The idea that we planned for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to
0: evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They. Didn't. This is So this is really interesting. Um, Brian Williams sets up the qu- question um, saying that Joe Biden owned this mistake. Uh, this guy, Matt Zellers, who is a military veteran who... He says in this interview, voted for Biden, says that he hopes that he owns the deaths too, uh, and get to he'll get to why he thinks that. Um, but just just fascinating how it's unescapable, inescapable for the left now at this point to excuse the actions of the Biden administration, given how bad this stuff has got. Let's listen on um, again here. Well, let's look at a couple comments. Respect the man for speaking the truth. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, respect. Credit where credit's due. The um, Biden administration is incompetent and useless. Yeah, uh, Matt Zellers will get to that point uh, in just a few seconds. So uh, let's listen further. They didn't
2: plan for the evacuation of our
0: Afghan wartime
2: allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was with the optics of a chaotic evacuation. Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently
0: left behind in Afghanistan alone. Holy cow. I want to stop really quick there. Uh, Yeah, the president was talking about the numbers of people that we have to get out. now. There's a discrepancy with what they're talking about. Uh, Joe Biden is talking about Americans. uh, Americans on the ground in Kabul um, who need to get out through the Kabul airport. Matt Zellers is talking about everybody who aided the United States. And I'm on his side. Yes, Americans are important. But at the same time, so many American lives were saved because of translators, because of informants, because of people who would let American troops know That danger was coming. Countless lives were probably saved, including Matt Zellers. And he talked about it in this interview. We didn't clip it out. But including him, countless lives were saved by Afghan people who were dedicated to the military service in Afghanistan from the United States and we're just gonna leave them there. So let's, let's continue to listen. We've identified all of
2: them for the government. I have no idea why they, they, they. he claims that people don't wanna leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who wanna get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this, do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. We. Need-
0: so that's another interesting point. Um, Joe Biden's... Uh, in his blame speech, decided that he was going to blame the Afghan military, and and there is some truth to that. Uh, the Afghan military didn't really do much in the way of helping themselves throughout this entire process. Having said that, to say that they did nothing to help themselves over the last several years, uh, since 2014 is the stat that I read. Almost 60,000, 60,000 Afghan troops have died fighting for their country in Afghanistan. That's not a small number. He's saying that every year they've lost more people than we've lost in 20 years. Now, that's not good news. It's just a stat. But what he's saying is Joe Biden essentially blamed not only Donald Trump for the plan, but also the Afghan military forces uh, in which we've been propping up for the last 20 years spent trillions of dollars doing so. I think Anthony Blinken said we spent $85 billion paying their salary and paying for their training, uh, and they lost in a week. Now, Joe Biden is blaming them, but at the same time, not really giving any credit to the massive amounts of Afghan lives lost since 2014 is the numbers that I was taking, almost 60,000 people. This is what he's this is what he is talking about when he's talking about this to be talking about how we're going to get every single
2: one of these people out because let's be abundantly clear people like me looked these people in the eye and made them a promise we promised them that in their time of need we would take care of them how do you ever expect anyone to ever trust us again if we don't do that now while we can the taliban are a modern version of
0: the not that was the case that i was making yesterday how can we, how can, how can anybody trust the United States after this? Seriously, if we go into one of the African countries and say, hey, we're going to take out Boko Haram, who, who who's going to help us? We need translators. We need informants. We need all of these things from the local people in order to aid in whatever it is that we're doing. Who's going to trust us? And how does that make us look on the national stage? Because. I hate to be to pile on to the bad news, but remember, we're also in we ha- we have Cold War style relationships with China right now, and what that means is that China is trying to get countries onto their side. We're trying to get countries onto our side. We're in a battle for the allegiance of other small countries around the world to come to our side instead of China's side, and what we did in Afghanistan. Just what's still happening in Afghanistan is not going to convince those countries that we're going to have their back when it's needed. What happens if, Ty- if China invades Taiwan? Well, I don't know. Well, we said we, we we currently have a treaty with them. But if Afghanistan is any example, well, what does that mean? I have no idea. Um, He continues. Really good stuff from, again, we're listening to, if you're just joining us, listen to Matt Zellers from um msnbc of all places on msnbc talking about uh the situation going on in afghanistan and evacuating all of the people that we needed to evacuate care of them how
2: do you ever expect Anyone to ever trust us again if we don't do that now while we can? The Taliban are a modern version of the Nazis. And if this was Dunkirk, do you think British yachting pilots, the British captains that were sailing their boats heroically into uh, Dunkirk, do you think they were asking on the beaches if the people they were picking up were Brits or French? Or do you think they were just trying to get people away from the Nazis? every afghan we leave behind is going to be left behind to a horrible existence and if we don't take them now while we can that is as much on us as it is on the taliban who will
0: hang or behead them so this is that that's another again another huge statement there that he's really pointing out the obvious he said earlier there's 86,000 people who have aided the united states or are americans Uh, He said he has a list currently of 14,000 people in Kabul who want to get out. Joe Biden, again, in his speech said that some of them don't even want to get out. I think we have that clip. We might play it a little bit later if we can find it. But he's saying, what what are you talking about? Of course the people want to get out. There are 14,000 people right now in the area that you're in that want to get out that we can't get out. But Joe Biden's saying, well, we didn't pull them out because they didn't want to leave. This guy's not buying it. Um... Yeah, let's, uh, let's continue to listen. You know, you want to talk about
2: bipartisan solutions? On May 17th or May 18th, there were 30 members of the Senate. Hold
0: on, this is fascinating. You'll say We're going we're gonna to listen to this too, but this is this is something that I didn't know, and we uh, were able to find out from this guy, Matt Zellers. He's talking about um, – he said in the beginning, if you weren't listening, that he, he, as well as a bunch of other people, have been trying to tell the Biden administration this is coming. So when Joe Biden is saying this is a shock and a surprise – the answer is kind of, uh, because apparently people have been telling him for months, it, this guy says years, that this is coming. Now, we inevitably had to leave Afghanistan at some point, but the process in which to do that is going to be chaotic if we don't take these following steps. Uh, so listen to what he says about the um, congressional component to this uh, trying to get a uh, people out of Afghanistan. As it is on the Taliban who will hang
2: or behead them. You know, you wanna talk about bipartisan solutions. On May 17th or May 18th, there were 30 members of the Senate, 15 Republicans, 15 Democrats, people like Patrick Leahy and Ron Johnson. I don't know of another issue that these two people agree on, but they all sent a letter to the president. Point number seven on that letter, by the way, urges them to begin the immediate evacuation. This was in May of our Afghan wartime allies. Congressmen Crow, Moulton, Galeo, Kinzinger, um, Pete Meyer, you name it. They've all said the same thing in the House, that we needed to start evacuating these people around the same time. Congress has been great. We built this administration a bipartisan solution to get this done. This administration, however, has never responded to a single request that any of us have made to meet with them.
0: So that's the extent of Matt Zeller on MSNBC talking about the evacuation plan. He also has a nonprofit. Um, I forget the name of it, but he basically has a website that we went to, and he outlines the entirety of how he thinks that people should get out. Um, Another interesting thing that I saw on the MSNBC yesterday was Brian Williams talking to—I don't know the name of the specific general, but Brian Williams was talking to one of uh, the military people and asking— Currently, the Kabul airport is being surrounded. This is the next topic we're going to get into. But Brian Williams was asking, why didn't we leave the air base that we have that's already fortified on the outskirts of Kabul, why didn't we leave that open and make that the last thing that we close? The reason being is because you're not following this. The Taliban have com- that have, have completely surrounded the airport in Kabul. Um, The reason that diplomats or Afghan people that have worked in the embassies, uh, Western employed people are sleeping on the floor in the airport is because at this point, the Taliban has set up checkpoints around the airport and they can't leave. Uh, Or at least they don't want to leave because they have no idea of whether or not they're going to be able to get back in. So Brian Williams asked the question, uh, why did we close the airfield that was already fortified, already secured entirely, and we had complete control over it. Why did we close that airfield? Why did not we close that last? Uh, And the general he had on basically said, uh, we have no idea, which is just a further indictment of how bad, how poorly orchestrated this evacuation thing was. Again, Matt Zeller saying, Get have 86,000 people that we need to get out of Afghanistan. The Biden administration has authorized, I think, 7,000 new American troops to go into Afghanistan to try and get people out, which is, again, somewhat amusing, the fact that we now have more people there as we're leaving as opposed to when we were trying to leave. But anyways, 7,000 more people are going to try and get uh, the rest of people out. But 86,000 people, how do we not have a plan for that? Uh, And he makes a great point of why is the fact that – why did we close the airfield outside of Kabul instead of just leave it open and make it the last thing to close? Because now we're dependent on the airport that the Taliban have now surrounded. Uh, We've got a couple interesting pieces from – this is from the Wall Street Journal. Taliban consolidate control in Afghan's capital. Thousands remain stranded. Uh, The Wall Street Journal reports thousands of Afghans employed by Western embassies in Kabul remain stranded in the city, unable to enter the airport for evacuation flights. Military flights resumed as the U.S. sent additional troops to secure the airport, but access remained difficult as the Taliban erected checkpoints at the entrances, turning people away. Some eh, Some evacuation flights were leaving nearly empty as a result. So the flights are going. the The flights are going out of Kabul into wherever it is that they're going. But some of them are empty. There's empty seats now. If you remember all of the footage from the other day, let's bring up some of the some of the footage uh, that has been going on. We'll kind of have this play in the background so you can watch. But people are fleeing at a, at an alarming rate. Uh, this is the airport. So this is a this is the airport yesterday, or two days ago, of people trying to get on the planes. It's just chaos on the tarmac, which is just, I hope none of us ever have to feel the desperation that these people were feeling during this process. There's there's that video that's been making the rounds, I think it's coming up, of the people running alongside the C-16 trying to get on the airplane, people desperately holding on to the edge of the airplane saying that they might be able to or or hoping that they might be able to get on um these are people rushing well rushing around the kabul airport um but the scenes that are that are coming out of afghanistan are 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 absolutely heartbreaking honestly, and I hope that we never have to deal with the desperation that these people are dealing with um the main point I was getting at is you saw how full some of those flights were and how full some of the airplanes were. Uh, there's some audio that we we just picked it up too short notice to put it on this show, but we'll play it tomorrow, of this air traffic controller asking a pilot, how many people are on your plane? The guy says 800. And the air traffic controller is like, whoa, that's that's insane. However, what the Wall Street Journal is reporting is that Some of the flights are are leaving empty. Taliban agents continued searching the offices and homes of Afghans affiliated with Western governments and organizations collecting evidence. At the checkpoints that sprang up around the city, they inspected residents' smartphones for illicit content and for communications in English. So, Taliban, there's a couple different things going on here. The Taliban is setting up for us to leave. We have to remember that right now, everything that is happening in Kabul and happening at the airport and the flights leaving is at the discretion of the Taliban. Taliban are letting us leave or letting people leave, civilians, because at least in my mind, the opinion that I have is they just want to control Afghanistan at this point. And the faster the news media and everybody gets out of there, the more the faster they get to control that city and that country. But it's all being done at the whim of the Taliban. There's been negotiations in uh, Qatar where I would assume we're paying them to allow us to continue doing what we're doing and get people out as quickly as possible. But keep in mind, the reaction from the Taliban has been moderately tempered. And the reason for that is they can't wait for us to get out. They can't wait for the cameras to leave and everything, the the global attention to shift somewhere else. And that is when they'll start cracking the whip. Right now they're going door to door, basically compiling lists. Now in the rural areas, they're going door to door and you're shot on site. There's enough evidence that that's happening, that that's, that's, that's what's happening out in the rural areas. In Kabul, however, they understand the Attention that they're getting, and they want people gone so that they can do whatever they want. So they're going around door to door, creating lists of people who have illicit content, and we all know what that means is whoever whoever thinks it's illicit means it's illicit. That, that that's a problem in general that we kind of have a little bit of questions here in the United States as well, and communications in English in Kabul. The Taliban who proclaimed the Islamic Emirate state of Afghanistan when they first seized the country in 1996 have so far refrained from all of the kind of radical actions that were brought worldwide condemnation in the past. Like we said, uh, when they came into Kabul in 96, there, there's no holding back. They just went to town. And I, I would imagine they learned from that mistake because it brought worldwide condemnation and therefore... They're saying get out, like, like leave. They're making it difficult for Afghans to leave, but they want the United States and our eyeballs off of what they're doing so that they continue doing uh, – well, they can continue to rule with an iron fist uh, like they did in the past, unlike the 1990s where significant pockets of Afghanistan remained outside of Taliban control, particularly in the uh, Punjab Valley and northeast I'm not even going to try and pronounce that province. Unlike the 90s, the Islamic movement this month seized the entire country and faces no organized armed opposition. Only one prominent member of the deposed government, uh, former President um, Saleh, has vowed to resist the Taliban rule. So everyone else has pretty much said, dude, fine. Like, but they just see the writing on the wall. And that's... The unfortunate reality of what um, is going on right now. The only execution since the capital's takeover on Sunday was uh, a guy by the name of Abdul Omar, the former head of the Islamic State in South Asia, who was taken by the Taliban from an Afghan government prison and killed on the spot. According to officials, a photo of his body was posted on social media. So, again... Afghans are, or the Taliban are, are, somewhat tempered in their response in Kabul. But don't mistake that for, oh, well, maybe they're reasonable now. No, they're just waiting for us to leave, waiting for us to leave so the cameras and eyeballs aren't shifted towards them. Um, last thing I think we want to bring up there's a lot of articles that we didn't get to. Maybe we'll get to some of them tomorrow. The Wall Street, or sorry, the Washington Post had a really interesting piece about kind of how. This got so bad. They've got insider voices from the administration saying, uh, we, some of us saw this coming, and the administration said, no, really interesting article in The Washington Post. Maybe we'll get that to that tomorrow. Don't really have time for today. Uh, I want to get to this headline really quick from The Guardian. Afghan women, defiance and despair. I never thought I would have to wear a burqa. My identity will be lost. Um, As the city uh, falls to the Taliban, women fear that the freedoms that they won in 2001 will be crushed. Um, And that's, again, an unfortunate reality of the situation. Uh, It would have been great if the Afghan government and the Afghan military would have been able to withhold. And maybe they could have if we had a better plan of getting out. But this is the reality of the situation, and it's, it's terrible, but... I, I, don't, I don't know what else you do. Um, yeah, we we have to get off. Uh, I, we have to get out of there. I want to bring up this comment. We talked about this earlier on, but we've got new people uh, watching on all of the different platforms. Um, but uh, they can force marriages with little girls. They also want to ensure women have no rights. Yeah, that's a, that's absolutely true. And what I, the reason I want to bring that up is, um, like I said in the beginning, my opening thought here is I wish our media would stop using the terminology that these terrorist organizations use. If we just repeat and parrot what they say and take that as fact and don't say, no, 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 hold on, that's not what's happening. They're looked more favorably upon the people that are watching our news media. For example, when I see on CBS, they're going door to door and marrying off young girls. Let's not use the term marrying for what they're doing. Uh, we don't have to play by their game in terms of rhetorically, the terminology that they're using, they're fine to put out their press releases with whatever they want to say. We don't have to parrot that we can call it what it is. We can say they're going door to door and raping young girls and taking them away from their home. That's what it is. It's not marrying off young girls for, you know, this is not what it is. Um, on that same note of the Taliban being able to put out press releases, I tweeted about this yesterday. but here's your friendly reminder that Donald Trump, former president of the United States, is banned from Twitter. The Taliban is not because apparently this is a, this is a tangent. I, I didn't want to go here. but remember the whole insurrection thing, you know that was was bad. it was terrible it wasn't good, it wasn't good th- good look for the United States. but you want to look at an actual insurrection? We got one. <laughs> there's one happening right now. Oops, I'm sorry. One happened yesterday, two days ago. Uh, that That's an insurrection. <laughs> they took over the government. They, there's no more government in Afghanistan. The Taliban effectively won and completed their insurrection of the government. Taliban still has a Twitter. Donald Trump doesn't have a Twitter. That's all I'll say. Just need to throw that out there because that's, been irritating me. So, last thing I want to get to is um, this clip from CNN. Uh, Clarissa Ward is among uh, several uh, journalists who are still in Kabul. I'm not sure when she's going to leave, but this was making the rounds yesterday. Um, and there's uh, there's different... There's a lot of people... I'm going to stop the clip at a certain point and explain why I think that the criticism from the right is wrong. Um, but Listen to this clip from Clarissa Ward. As soon as we leave our compound, it's clear who is now in charge. Taliban fighters have flooded the capital. Smiling and victorious, they took this city of six million people in a matter of hours, barely firing a shot. This is a sight I honestly thought I would never see. Scores of Taliban fighters and just behind us, the U.S. Embassy compound. Some carry American weapons. They tell us they're here to maintain law and order. Mm. Everything is under control. Everything will be fine, the commander says. Nobody should worry. What's your message to America right now? America already spent enough time in Afghanistan. They need to leave, he tells us. They already lost lots of lives and lots of money. People come up to them to pose for photographs they're just chanting death to america but they seem friendly at the same time it's utterly bizarre so this is the clip that's getting a lot of attention on your right-wing conservative media and i don't think that's actually fair criticism you just watch the whole clip a lot of it's being taken out of context text but she's getting hammered for saying they're smiling and laughing and saying death to America. They're, they, they're saying death to America and seem happy. Uh, I don't disagree with her. And I think the people that are trying to make that the same situation of the mostly peaceful protest with a burning building in the back. Uh, thats It's not an accurate comparison. The mostly peaceful protest with a burning building in the back is, was nuts. <laughs> this is not that. If you watch the whole clip like we just did uh She's getting hit for saying they're chanting death to America, but also seem friendly. Yeah, it's it's because they, they do. They weren't met with any opposition coming in to Kabul. Right? If you're a Taliban fighter, I don't think they thought we could just walk in. I, thought, I felt like we had to fight, but they just walked in. I, I don't agree with the criticism that she's getting for what seems to be a very apt assessment of this. This is not the same as the mostly peaceful protest Chiron. It just isn't. Um, but anyways, Clarissa Ward of CNN, very bravely sticking in there. Um, I, I Braver than I would have, but, uh, you know, best to you. Hope you stay safe. Um, keep bringing us any pertinent information. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in. A lot of people watching, a lot of people commenting. Um, We'll see you back here tomorrow. Maybe some non-Afghanistan news will come. Excuse me, but maybe not. Um, Just a a crazy time. Again, I I apologize because a lot of this show is a lot of smiling, laughing, levity uh, but not so much the last couple of days, as the situation in Afghanistan is is off the rails. Um, yeah, so see you back here tomorrow, 8 a.m. live on Facebook. If you missed any part of the podcast and you want to get it, go to the go to whatever podcast app you go to. Search the Joe Bob Show. Uh, also, click the link in the uh, show description wherever it is that you're watching right now. Should take you straight to the podcast page. You can catch up on the entire thing. We had a really again, if you missed it. If you missed the Matt Zellers piece, go get the podcast and check that out. That was awesome. Um, awesome in the sense of, of trying to explain the situation. The situation is bad. The situation is not awesome. But really, really compelling piece by Matt Zellers on MSNBC of all places. If you haven't already, head over to Daily Caller. or check out my quality control show. It's called Quality Control where we dive deep into all of the political topics. Not all of them, but several of the political topics. Every week, uh, and talk about the ramifications of policy, politics, government, governance, and culture. Head over to the Daily Caller, check out Quality Control. We release episodes every single week. This week was interesting timing. Uh, Last week, when we we decided to shoot the episode and and had it all put together, Cuomo was under the microscope, and seems like a year ago that Andrew Cuomo retired, but uh, not retired, resigned. Um, But Uh, Nevertheless, still a good episode. Check it out on Daily Caller. Quality control uh, on Daily Caller. Uh, Again, thanks to Capitalist Propaganda. Head over to capitalistpropaganda.us. Get the gear that tells your friends that their socialist ideas totally suck. We will see you back here tomorrow with more news on the unfolding situation in Afghanistan. Hopefully there's room for some other stuff because we've just been hitting Afghanistan for the last several days. Um, Thanks so much for tuning in. This is The Joe Bob Show. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America.